This is the Practical Homeopathy Podcast, episode number 81 with Joette Calabrese. This is Joette Calabrese, and I'd like to welcome you to the Practical Homeopathy Podcast. Women and men worldwide are taking back control of their family's health and learning how to heal their bodies naturally, safely, and effectively. So if you're hungry to learn more, you've come to the right place. Stay tuned as we give you the tools and the inspiration you need as I share my decades of experience and knowledge using this powerful medicine we call homeopathy. Kate and I'm here with Joette again today for another podcast and today we're talking about female issues and so all you ladies listen up this is going to be an important podcast for you we're going to talk about a common condition um, that a lot of women experience and so get your pens and papers ready to take some notes all right Joette let's get down to business and talk about these feminine issues what do you want to discuss today well, one of the most common female conditions is infections, bladder, kidney, urethra, ureter, etc. And so I do want to cover, cover that. And particularly for those who have chronic UTIs, I'm speaking to you because everyone believes that they have to take antibiotics. And in my experience, not my personal experience, although I've certainly had a few UTIs many years ago, but in my experience in listening to my students and clients and taking cases for the last 25, 30 years, I have noted that the history, because I take the history, and I take the history of a person's health quite seriously, that the history is often got a UTI used an antibiotic got another UTI, used an antibiotic. Another UTI, antibiotic. UTI, antibiotic. UTI, antibiotic. UTI. And it gets faster and faster and tighter and tighter. And now they're using that more and more frequently until after many rounds of antibiotics, we often see women left with interstitial cystitis that feels like an, uh, a urinary tract infection, but they don't find the microorganisms in the urine. And so it's declared, nope, you don't have an infection, but it feels like it. I have the urgency. I have the frequency. I have the pain, the pain afterwards. Sometimes the pain radiates down the legs. I have aching in my kidneys. What is going on? You don't find anything. And that is often interstitial cystitis. What is interstitial cystitis? That's a tongue twister. Yeah, it is. Well, interstitial cystitis is what they often call bladder pain syndrome, um, it is a feeling as though you have a bladder infection and, and those other areas, the lower urinary tract, upper urinary tract, in the back, etc. And often if it lasts more than about six weeks, that is frequently what is then pronounced as, well, it's a syndrome instead of an acute infection. Mm. Not nice because what it is, a syndrome is, especially in this particular case, means what was originally an acute condition is now a chronic condition. What's the difference? An acute comes and goes, and it's over with. And if treated properly, it comes and goes and is often over with for, for many months or years or perhaps even forever. If treated incorrectly in a sloppy manner, such as just throwing 
drugs at it that only kill microorganisms, then we often end up with a chronic condition, which means that the person, the woman is suffering, it's usually a woman, suffers from this chronic pain and discomfort and um, urgency and frequency, but more often it's really awful pain. One person who described it to me once as it felt like someone set my uterus on fire and then stomped on it with combat boots. <laughs> pain was horrible. So it was a, felt like it, she had been kicked, but before she was kicked in the bladder, there was tremendous burning pain. And so their entire lives, and I've worked with many, many women with this condition, their entire lives are focused around one organ, the bladder, and those that are relative to the bladder, so the kidneys, the ureter, the urethra, et cetera. And it ruins their lives. Now they can't go anywhere. They can't count on anything. They have to wear pads. The pain is all-encompassing. The uh, being tethered to the bathroom is chronic. It's not nice. And so I believe that the problem has to do with the sloppy, poorly way the urinary tract infection was dealt with at the onset. If we use a homeopathic medicine that is correct, that suits this condition and this person, we will find that there is no need to go to a bazooka to kill a mosquito. A bazooka. <laughs> what an image. Yeah. Right. That happens so often. Listen, I know that antibiotics have been lifesavers in the past. They have saved people from disease and death. Um, there is a place for antibiotics, but not if you have homeopathy, to be honest. But let's say you didn't have homeopathy. I have to give credit where credit is due. However, what has occurred in our society, not just the U.S., North America, but all over the world, certainly the same thing happens in South America and Europe and India, et cetera, and China, is that anytime there's any infection, the doctor automatically gives antibiotics. So infections come. We live on this earth where there are microorganisms everywhere. And um, it happens frequently. So that means that antibiotics are administered frequently and they become less and less valuable as time goes on, not only for that particular person, but for that particular microorganism. So we want to try to avoid them at almost any cost, if possible. Now, if you don't have the homeopathic medicine or you've used it and it's just not working for you, because most of these medicines, when we discuss this, will work on approximately 80 to 85% of the population who has this particular condition. That's a very high percentage. How do we know those numbers? The Banerjee's have done the research, and they have shown time and again that by using their specific protocol for this condition, that is the kind of result that they can expect. Now, what happens if you happen to be in the 20 to 15% of society in which that doesn't, doesn't do any good. And I will say parenthetically, most people think they belong there. <laughs> That's true. It really is true. Most people feel, oh, well, what if I'm there? And I guess I am there. It's not working fast enough, etc. We have a second line. And I teach this, this particular condition in um, Alternatives to Antibiotics, my course. But I also teach it in our course, Feminopathy. And we're going to be talking about that. Should you be interested 
this is where I train you how to use this, but I'm not going to leave you high and dry now. Uh, we will go into in depth what remedy I would certainly begin with. And I've also talked about it on my blog. So anytime, also parenthetically, let me also mention, anytime you have a condition just in your browser, you put in the words, Joette Calabrese and the name of the condition, and you'll find that I have probably covered it with the name of the medicine, the potency, the frequency, and often a story behind it so that there's a little more understanding of how to use it. When it becomes a more complex condition, then I, I say I have to save that for when I teach courses, and that's where we really dig in and learn how to use these medicines. So, Joette, when someone has a urinary tract infection, they want relief right away because they're suffering. So how easy is this to solve with homeopathy? Well, I think it's relatively easy, but I will tell you that the most difficult part um, is not finding the homeopathic medicine. That's the easy part because I give it to you. I'm going to give it to you today. I give it to you in all of these forums. And if you get a simple homeopathy book on the shelf of a bookstore, you will find the medicine that probably will do the work. The hard part, I believe, is in observing what is it that you are now seeing. And most of us want more faster. So a lot of times they'll say, I, but I still have the urinary tract infection. Well, does it still feel as though someone set your bladder on fire and that you've been stomped on by, by boots? Um, or is it now maybe a six instead of a whopping 10 in degree of pain and discomfort, urgency, frequency, et cetera? That is the part that folks don't understand that they need to pay very close attention to. Right. So they just want it all gone right away within hours, I think, really. Right. And it can happen that way. But more often than not, we see not only the condition abating so that it's the pain is not as extreme, the frequency is not as grand, the urgency is not as trying, but we also see that their disposition has changed. I know that sounds like how could that possibly matter? But it does matter because they become less frantic. They feel as though they can take a nice long nap and when they get up from the nap, they can feel refreshed. Or they find they have more energy now and their focus isn't on the constant sensation in the bladder. They still have the sensation, but now they're able to prepare their meals. Now they still have the sensation of urgency, but it's not so bad that they can't get to the grocery store and get what they need for their families. And if this isn't yourself that you're treating, say you're helping one of your children or another family member, you can often tell how a remedy is working by looking at their face, I found. Because like you said, if their facial expression is that of pain and they're not talking, that's often you know a higher pain level. And then when they start to relax a little bit, maybe take their mind off of the pain and do something else or start talking to you, that is often that the pain is lessening. They may not realize how much their pain is lessened, but if you watch their body language, you can tell. That is absolutely so. And so what homeopathy offers us as the person who is healing the members of their family is the opportunity to gain observation skills that they might not have had before. And instead of asking questions, we just observe. Is her face still in a frowny position? Is she still rocking back and forth? Mm -hmm. Is she still running to the bathroom, sighing and freaking every time she goes? If you see that that's changing, 
then you know you're, it's very likely that you're on to the right homeopathic medicine. Mm-hmm. And the person themselves may not realize that there's a change, but you can see that there's a change. And that's very important. Yes, it is. They probably won't realize there's a change until there's quite a dramatic shift. You're looking for the nuances Mm -hmm. to observe. And one of the things that I love about homeopathy is that when we're using a homeopathic medicine, whether it's for an acute condition or a chronic condition or a species of both, is that the medicine, if it works 10%, don't give up and say, oh, it's only 10%. It's not good enough. I have to go to another medicine. No, no, no. This is where the mistakes are made continue using the medicine and then go to 28% improvement. And then keep using the homeopathic medicine and use it accordingly, meaning you're going to use it according to the need. In other words, the greater the symptoms, the more frequently we use it, usually. Um, Then it goes to 28% improvement. Then we watch and we watch. Now we're on the second day and now we're seeing 60% improvement. And if we keep going, we will see that it will most likely take us to 100%, particularly in an acute condition or an acute UTI. Okay, but Joette, what if the person has that eight out of 10 level pain and you hate to see someone suffer like that? We just went through this with a family member. How often should you give it? And you know, you're talking about that 10% you watching and say the remedy works and their pain level comes down now from an eight to a seven, right? That seven is still very painful. So, you know, you're talking about no stay with that remedy because it still helped that 10%. If the pain is severe enough, then we're going to use it more frequently. So we would use the medicines maybe every hour. If the person was in danger, uh, let's say hemorrhaging, and you're on the way to the hospital, you might use it every 15 minutes. I don't imagine that someone's going to generally hemorrhage from a urinary tract infection, but using that as another example. Or if the pain is very, very severe, yes, you could use it every 10 minutes. As the pain minimizes, then you start going to every 30 minutes. And as you see that the person's shoulders are now dropping, instead of being tight up against their ears with angst, now it's getting better and better. Now you're going to administer it every hour, every three hours then perhaps every six hours. If you start every six hours, let's say by the second day, or even later in the first day, and now at six hours, you can see it's not close enough, then go back. You're looking for that tipping point. You go back to every five hours or every four hours and allow it to do its work and then try to go back to six hours later and then to 12 hours. And usually a urinary tract infection that's an acute, particularly in a young person, will abate within hours, you'll see some shift within hours or a day or so. And then over a period of three or four days, uh, we can put it to rest. Okay. So say that infection clears up and now two weeks later, a month later, the infection comes back. Now what do we do? Do we just repeat those medicines again? I never tinker with success. Certainly we start with the medicines that were used last that did the best work. And we start in exactly the same fashion. So we're going to use it again, start it up again. But I pretty much guarantee, it's not 100% of the time, so maybe it's not 100% guarantee, but I see it so frequently that the second round without antibiotics and all of the medications that are um, allopathic and using only homeopathy, that the second time this infection comes back, it doesn't come back as a screaming 10 like the bladder was set on fire and tromped on by combat boots. Now it feels like it's achy. It's back again, 
and mostly more often than not women will say oh no it's back again and i say oh it's great that it's back not because i want you to suffer but here's another opportunity to uproot it because homeopathy's unique ability is to uproot the condition not suppress it not kill the bugs not kill the microorganisms. There's no need to determine whether this is a bacterial, it's a strep B, whether it's a viral infection. That's unnecessary. What we need to know are that what is the name of the condition? It's a UTI and how is it presenting? So once we see that, we know what to use. We use it a second time around. Now, instead of it coming back as a 10, it's come back as say a seven. Seven is still pretty painful or still too much urgency and frequency. However, once you start at a seven, now you can go down to a three or a four faster. And then we go down to a two. And then we go down to a one, administering all along. Now the infection is gone again. Now let's say it happens again. Let's say six months from now, it happens again. This time, and it's not always perfect like this, but it often presents this way. This time in pain, in urgency, frequency, etc. instead of starting at a seven, now it's more likely to start at a four. However, what most often women experience is the angst that goes along with it. And the first thing they think is, oh no, it's coming back again. No, no, again, another opportunity to uproot. Now, how many times does this take? Depends on the person. Depends on how many drugs have been thrown at this condition. Let's say this is honeymoon cystitis. Honeymoon cystitis, you know, when young couples first get married, the woman often has pain and gets urinary tract infections from a greater amount of activity at that time in her life. And so it's going to be more frequently that way. So when we use these medicines, we're looking to uproot the condition so that the allopathic drugs are no longer necessary and they actually become superfluous. And then we uproot the propensity for this to become a chronic condition, which is what we want very much to stay away from. All right, Joette, let's get down to the remedy. You have to share with us what remedy we should use for a UTI. Well, there are a number of them, as you probably would have guessed, but my all-time favorite is cantharis, and every classical homeopath knows the use of this medicine. We usually start it in a 30th potency, cantharis 30C. If you only have X, then certainly you use cantharis 30X. Um, but make sure that you're well-stocked, folks. There's nothing worse than knowing exactly what medicine to use and not owning it. You mm -hmm. need to own the top 100 medicines and I cannot urge you enough to own a kit. So Cantharis 30, and it's generally used every few hours depending on the severity. If it's very severe, you might use it, as I said, every 15 minutes to get started or 10 minutes. And then you open it up to less frequently as needed. And then I also like Metarinum. That is in a 200 potency. And that is generally used twice daily during this period of time. Sometimes when it's a very severe case, then we increase the use of metarinum and it's used perhaps every three hours. Now, all classical homeopaths, all homeopaths of any stripe know that these two medicines are some of the best medicines. But the Banerjee's have done even more work than that and they use metarinum much more frequently than the way that I was ever trained to use metarinum. And I don't have a worry about it. As long as you know that this indeed is a urinary tract infection, it is appropriate. And that is important. You have to know what you're dealing with because you don't want to be taking metarinum frequently thinking it's a UTI and it's not. 
or cantharis or anything else for that matter. What yeah. you want is always to know what it is you're dealing with. You don't have to know which microorganism is at play. What you need to know is what is happening to the bladder or urethra, et cetera. So the honeymoon cystitis that you were talking about, Joette, does cantharis address that as well? Well, it can, but we homeopaths, we all know that one of the grand homeopathic medicines is Staphysagria 200C for honeymoon cystitis. Mm. It's those women who, after having relations, are told they absolutely must empty their bladder or else they'll get a urinary tract infection. It's Staphysagria. And I like to use it in a 30th potency or a 200 potency. And it's used in the same fashion as Cantharis. So every... Every three hours is the general rule of thumb in the very beginning. And if it's very extreme, it can be taken every 15 minutes. And if it's not so extreme at all, it's just mild and, and the person is expecting that this is going to turn into something, but it hasn't quite yet, then we might use it only twice daily. Mm-hmm. So I've, I have an article on this, a blog article. It's called UTIs and Antibiotics. And you can look at it. Recurring UTIs and antibiotics stop the cycle. So check that out. You'll be able to read up on it a little bit more. But we go into much greater detail in all of these because these are not the only three homeopathic medicines for this condition. It depends on how it's presenting in other ways as well. And we'll go into great detail in my course, Feminopathy. And you also have an infographic called the Three Feminopathy Fates. And how do they get that though, Joette? I believe it's going to be down below and you just click on it and it will tell you how to go about doing that. And you can download it and you'll keep it on your refrigerator or keep it in your medicine cabinet right by your homeopathy kit. Or if you've got a book going that you're putting together, a loose leaf binder, many people tell me that's how they do this under the category of female. You put this infographic in there and you can refer back to it time and time again. And for those infographics that you use time and again, I urge people to put them in a plastic sleeve and put them in their loose leaf binder. That's just what I've done, Joette. I have the infographics for all of your courses. And again, these are free resources that Joette and her staff offer. You just go on her website and you can download any of these infographics from the courses. And I'm looking at the one for the Feminopathy course right now, and you have some things on here for menstrual cramps, for PMS, varicose veins, hot flashes, flooding. Osteoporosis, that's right. Cystic breasts, uterine fibroids, endometriosis, morning sickness. We tried to pull from as many different areas of a woman's life as we possibly could. But in my course, Feminopathy, which of course we're relaunching, that's what we're talking about. We're relaunching this course. Um, You will be able to learn each of these and many, many, many more. Because we start at menarche in young girls and go all the way to women of a quite elderly age and cover all of the conditions that I could come up with um, that would be useful to most folks. So I lead a lot of the gateway study groups and people are always asking me, what should I do next? Should I take a course? Should I purchase a Materia Medica? And I often tell them that you're going to get the most protocols from Joette's courses. And I'm not just saying that because we're doing a podcast. I honestly believe that. If you want to learn protocols, you need to, after taking the Gateway study groups, take Joette's courses because she details so many protocols in those courses that those courses are your best resources. Well, that's right, Kate. But for those folks who cannot afford a single course right now, just stick around the blog, hang out in the podcasts, 
watch me on Facebook Live, and you will learn plenty. And then buy as you can. Buy your Materia Medica when you can. Order a number of homeopathic medicines when you can. And make this a focus of your life. So when we were talking at the beginning of the podcast, I was talking about being prepared. And if you want to be able to treat these conditions yourself, you have to have the knowledge, right? The information and you have to have the medicine. So I just want to kind of wrap up this podcast by saying it is so important that you be well stocked in your remedies, like you said earlier, Joette, and that you have the resources, whether it's studying free information that you offer or your courses, just have that information at your fingertips and have some friends that you can talk to about these things. Have your study group buddies on your speed dial and be ready to contact them when an emergency situation arises because it's hard to think when you are in that situation. That's absolutely so. We have to be fiercely interested. If you take this very lightly, it can still work for you, but if you really want this to become an important part of your lifestyle, then you almost have to be fierce about it. And what I mean is that focus on it, learn as much and as fast as you can, own as many homeopathic medicines as you can, go to Walmart or Wegmans or um, Whole Foods or your local health food store and look at the section that Boron puts out and Highlands puts out. Boron is in the blue tubes. Islands is usually in white bottles. And look at even the combination medicines. You don't have to just use single medicines. You can find combination medicines. Now, I put a cautionary note to this. Those are the companies that I trust for combination medicines that are out there for the public. I'm not impressed with those pharmacies that manufacture homeopathic medicines that have 30 medicines in them all at once. But I do trust and I've used them myself through the decades, these companies that I just mentioned and their combination medicines. You can actually find some that are called uh, bladder pain or something like that. I mean, they have their own names to them. And then you look on the bottle and there are the medicines I'm talking about. I don't think you're going to find Metarina, but you'll certainly find Staphysagria and Cantharis. So also buy those because those are good for in a pinch, leg cramps or um, overuse or restless legs or insomnia, sleep medicines or cold calm. There are many that are combinations. Now, that is not a classical suggestion. Classical homeopaths do not normally suggest this. And because that I've gone into a more practical way of teaching and using homeopathy, I find that it is so necessary for folks to learn how to use these medicines, whether they're a combination or not. So be diligent, be curious. This is your secret weapon, folks. This is a quiet way of taking care of yourself and your family that's inexpensive. And what I always say is this is what I call intellectually delicious because this work is so rewarding. As I hope you know by now, on my blog, podcasts, and Facebook Live, I offer as many protocols for simple conditions as I can, for free, without affiliates or advertising. But let me be clear, when it comes to more complex conditions, it's key that you learn how to use these medicines properly. I want you to be well-trained. So I save discussions of the more involved methods for my courses in which I walk students through each method with step-by-step -step training. 
I hope listening to this podcast has inspired you to follow in their footsteps. With the proper training, you too can nurture and protect the health of your family and loved ones with practical homeopathy. You just listened to a podcast from practicalhomeopathy.com where nationally certified homeopath, public speaker, and author Joette Calabrese shares her passion for helping families stay strong through homeopathy. Joette's podcasts are available on iTunes, Google Play, Blueberry, Pandora, Stitcher, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Thank you for listening to this podcast with Joette Calabrese. To learn more and find out if homeopathy is a good fit for your health strategy, visit practicalhomeopathy.com.